Hello everyone and welcome back to the Better Watch Horror Podcast. I'm your host Patrick. And I'm Celeste. And as always we are here to share our love of everything horror. And true crime. Especially today, back doing <laughs> some more true crime for it's once. It's been a while. It has been ages. <laughs> well we didn't know how to end Ozploitation Month and you came up with let's talk about the true crime that made Australia change gun laws forever. Yeah. <laughs> Always crazy. Yeah, so we are talking about the Port Arthur Massacre today, but before we get into anything, can let's give a shout out to the They Don't Stay Dead podcast. Yes, so we have had the amazing opportunity to kind of partner-ish with Alexa and Britt from the They Don't Stay Dead podcast. It's now become one of my favourite podcasts since sort of finding them through Instagram um, and talking with them, they talk all things paranormal, and they're just really cool, cool girls. Yeah, yeah, no, and they're really funny. So yeah. please check them out if you get the chance to. Yes, definitely. Hey, paranormies! I'm Brittany, and I'm Alexa, and we're the hosts of They Don't Stay Dead. We're a paranormal podcast from Australia, and we've made it our mission to share with you all the real life ghost stories and haunted locations from our home as well as encounters with supernatural beings and reports of unknown mysteries. From haunted asylums and ghost ships to big cat cryptids and alien encounters, there's something for everyone. We release new episodes every Thursday and you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to check out our Instagram at theydontstaydead for weekly updates. We get a little bit spooky and a lot silly. So join us for some laughs and a tale of the unknown. Stay spooky, paranormies. Uh, yeah, this this true crime crazy because it happened in 96. Yeah. April 28th, 96. So just a couple of years before we were born. Very close to my actual birthday. <laughs> just a couple of days after. But um, yeah, because I remember going to Tasmania with my family as a kid and we went to... The Port Arthur site. Yeah, Port Arthur site. And it was mentioned that the cafe used to stand there. I can't remember. Like, I was 11 or 12 when I went to Tassie. Beautiful place. Love to go back to Tassie. Would love to, but, you know, money (laughs) I don't have (laughs) or time either. Life gets in the way, really. I'd love to go on holiday. That would be lovely. I know. But, um, yeah, from what I remember, it was like a really beautiful place and that's kind of where my old man Tommy is like, well, this is why we can't buy guns anymore. It's why they're not really readily available. Like what it would be like in America where you can get them over the countertop. Mm. Like it does. That's just, it doesn't happen here. Yeah. But yes. Yeah, so we'll be talking about the true crime, how it all happened, how it all came to be. We'll talk about Martin Bryant, the, the man who did end up doing this true crime. And we also, you found a movie. Yeah. And we'll talk about some facts that were actually in the film that were true. Because, you know, with movies, they can dramatize stuff and we don't know if it's really true or not. Yeah. Why don't you start us off? This is your specialty (laughs) and I know you've been dying to talk about another true crime. Okay. So, this shit bloke, (laughs) his name was Martin Bryant 
and he was born on the 7th of May in 1967 and he was the first child of Maurice and Carlene. Um, through research, we found out that they also had a daughter called Lindy, but she later changed her name because she didn't want to be associated with any of this, which I understand. I get it. Good for her. Um, in 2011, his mother was interviewed um, and she stated that she'd always find like his broken toys just everywhere and that like he was an annoying and difficult child. Which I'm like, your mum should never say that, honestly. I, it could be just the times because it came out that he was a schizophrenic. Yeah. He had symptoms of Asperger's and he also had uh, symptoms of other diseases. Oh, I'm like tr- mental disorders Yeah, mental stuff. disorders. I'm trying to find them. I wrote them down. I swear I did. Uh, here we go. Yeah, he, yeah, signs of, uh, sorry, signs of schizophrenia or a, and like a mood disorder as well. Uh, he had a mixture of conduct disorder and attention dis- deficit hyperactivity. Sorry. ADHD. Do you know when your fucking head goes like a million miles and you're trying to talk and you muddle up your words? It's me you every, every day. <laughs> Me every day, every time we do a video, every time. My brain just won't stop. <laughs> but yes, continue. Um, yeah, and then when after all this happened, um, all of sort of the locals around where he grew up were interviewed and they were like, oh, yeah, he was just a weird kid. Like there was one incident where he took a snorkel off a boy who was diving, you know, kind of I think he was hoping to drown him or something. Like, Probably. I, I don't know. And in... Uh, 1977, so when he was in probably year four or year five, he was about 10, um, he was suspended from his primary school and later psychological assessments noted that he tortured animals, which is exhibit A of serial killers. Yes. <laughs> so in 1983, he left school and was uh, assessed for a disability pension by a psychiatrist who wrote that he could Uh, can't read or write, does a bit of gardening and watches TV. Only his parents prevent further deterioration, could be schizophrenic and parents face a bleak future with him. Which is basically, yeah, that if he didn't have his parents, he would be screwed for life because he would have no one to look after him. Well, that's kind of what happened. Yeah. So where we got all our notes, we looked at Crimes That Shook Australia. It's season one, episode two is the Port Arthur Massacre. And then the film is called Nitrum, which is Martin, Martin backwards, backwards. Which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, that is pretty interesting. Uh, so, yes, this all started, well, it happened on the 28th of April in 1996. 35 people were shot and killed while 23 were injured. Yeah, the youngest being a three-year-old girl. Yeah. I, I just sit there and, like, you were like, what's going on? And I'm like, I'm just getting fucking frustrated again. Because like you like, usually do. Yeah, I just don't know what goes through someone's mind. To be like, yeah, yeah I'm just going to kill people. Yeah. Like, I have no sympathy for people that kill people. Yeah. It's because you find it hard to differentiate between, you're like, this is real life. I don't understand how this is real life. When I watch this happen in movies and it's all fake and they're just actors. But this is real life. How? Yeah, because I know the actor's going to... Like, it, they're going to be there for an interview and talking <laughs> about the movie, whereas these people, they're never coming back. Good. 
Or not the victims. Oh, sorry, I, sorry. I meant, I meant the Just killers. Just because you can. I sit meant there the killers. A, with a big smile on your face, looking at true crime documentaries. It's because I get fascinated. It's not that I want them to die. Obviously. Jeez. <laughs> I meant the killers. That was fucking wrong timing. I do that, <laughs> that all the time. Awesome. God damn. <laughs> oh, that was. <laughs> sorry, guys. Didn't mean to give you a heart attack there. Oh, I wish we planned that, but we didn't. <laughs> Shit. Awesome. Anywho. It's usually me that fucks up. Welcome. <laughs> I feel less pressure now. <laughs> Piss off. <laughs> so Martin Bryant, he went to, well, he went to this place called Seaside first. Yeah, which is like a little B&B. Yeah. And there was an elderly couple there. That owned it. I remember the names. It's not coming I don't to know me. I no, it's not coming. There's so many people that they name dropped. Yeah, that, that it's hard to remember everyone. Yeah. So yeah, he went there first, and then he went to the Port Arthur. Like it's so like I, a prison, isn't it? I like think it was an old, old prison because they were talking about like the penitentiary and yeah. stuff like that. So it must be like an old prison. And or the cafe at the back that was located located there is called was called the Broad Arrow. Yeah. So apparently he wanted to park near the jetty and a staff member whose name I did write down in Kingston. Yeah. Uh, he told him that he can't do, like he can't go there because they've already got coaches. Like Ian was explaining that it was kind of a busier day than what he thought it would be. Yeah. He said that in the morning by like 10 a.m. there was already like eight buses that had already turned up loaded with people. So he's like, oh, okay, busy day. Mm. Um. So yeah, he did Martin wanted to park near the jetty. Ian told him no, but Martin did it anyway. And then he just walked up to the cafe and started unloading his semi-automatic weapon. Yep. And in the space of 90 seconds, he had killed 20 people and injured 12. 90 seconds. Like, how? And it was also, like, in there, apparently someone was shielding. Yeah. Using his own body to protect people. Yeah. So there was a guy, I think his name was Peter. Yeah. Um, he was from an organization called Camp Quality, which we know here in Australia is for like kids with cancer and stuff. And so he was there with a few colleagues. And so when this happened, he was like, get down, get down. And yeah, it was shielding his co-workers. And in doing that, he, he got shot, but he survived. Yeah, no, he but did survive. But yeah, just an amazing human being. One yeah. for working for a charity because that just takes some balls, but two to risk your own life to save others. And that's amazing that's for Ian Kingston as well because he was outside at the time and he was gathering as many tourists as he could to, to take him to away. like a secluded place in Port Arthur to be like, you'll be safe here and I'll like, I'll protect you. Yeah. The sad part of it is like a mother was so distressed and she just wanted to get her two kids to safety that she. Went away from the group. Yeah, went away from the group and Ian, but sadly went in the direction where Martin was driving the car and he pulled up on him and, yeah, that was the way the three-year-old girl got shot. Yeah. Her daughters were, yeah, three and six. Yeah. Way too young. It hurts. Yeah. It just hurts. And so after his shooting up at this historical site, he goes on the road. Mm. And on the road, he... I think pulled over one person, shot them, took their car, 
then kept driving and as he got up to a servo. Um, Service kept, station. Oh, same, same. Yes. Well, we just start <laughs> yeah. people, what is a servo? <laughs> it's a gas station, petrol station. Yeah. Um, there was a couple walking out. He killed the female in the couple yeah. and kidnapped the male and put him in the boot of the car. Yes. And then drove back to the seaside, uh, sorry, seascape. B&B. Yeah, so this is where 200 police ended up surrounding Port Arthur with a negotiation team there to talk to Bryant to try and get him to surrender. Yeah. And they knew he was at Seaside. And I think his mother, because when we learn his father had committed suicide because he had a falling out with, like he had paid to, this is what the movie told us, Nitram. That he had paid for this. Well, he hadn't paid. Well, he was about to pay for this Airbnb, but the owners who did end up buying it had a bigger offer, so they took their offer, yeah. which then let led um, Maurice into like, I'm fucked now. Like, I've got nothing. I've got nothing. So he ended up just taking his own life, which was a massive toll on Martin. Yeah. But at the same time, Martin also had this friend named Helen who uh, he was living with. Yeah. And... So she also had some sort of mental disability but was very high functioning. Yeah. Um, and she was actually the heiress of like the Tats company, like Tats Lotto. Yeah. Um, so she came into a lot of money, owned her own house. And so in becoming friends with her. Because he was doing like a lawn mowing service. Because he had nothing he made, else yeah, to do. Yeah, he was trying to make money so he could buy us. Well, in the movie they say surfboard, but I don't know how real that was. Real that was. But, yeah, so in becoming friends, he ended up moving in with her. Then there was a really bad car accident that they were both involved in where Helen passed away Mm. and she left her entire fortune to Martin. Yeah, so this Martin was just basically lost. Yeah. Like he had no one. Yeah, just lost his best friend. Yeah, I feel like his mother just went um, off, yeah. Yeah, because I feel like, I mean, the vibe that I got from the movie was that she was just exhausted with Mm. life. Like having a son who is not very high functioning, kind of needs their hand to be held at all times and cannot look after themselves. Like that would be exhausting. Yeah. So I get it. But yeah, it just seemed like she was like, all right, bye. Done with you. Yeah. Because that movie ends when the shooting starts and it's all over the news. Yeah. And, yeah, it's just her outside smoking a cigarette. Yeah. Knowing that it's him. Yeah. Which is probably the rough part. Um, But, yeah, so basically when he's at Seascape and the police are trying to get him out, he, I don't know why he did it, but he set the house on fire. Well, before that, they were on the phone to him. But the oh. police didn't realise that the phone he had in Seaside was a cordless battery phone because we're in the 90s. We don't <laughs> have these smartphones and shit. And, yeah, they didn't know that he only had a cordless battery phone, so that went dead. Yeah. So they had been talking to him for hours. And they were under the assumption that he had hostages. Because mm, he was saying he was giving them food and stuff. Yeah. But the real fact was... The police already assumed that the owners were dead. Yeah, we, I mean, you've got to assume the worst. Because he went there first, 
they assumed that he had killed them. Like, that's where the start of his... Ran- the way this psychologist says it, it's like, I, I fully believe him because of how Martin was. Well, yeah. is. And, like, being a schizophrenic and stuff. He thought... He put it in his words that it's like he's in a movie. So he shot and killed the two owners that had the, like, dispute with his father... Got the revenge. Got the revenge, but because police weren't there to, like, capture him like a Hollywood movie or, like, save him from himself, he's like, well, what what do I do now? So now he drives to Port Arthur and he starts killing even more people. Yeah. And I thought that was a really, like... It made sense. uh, Like, a sensible way to put it. Like, it did make sense. Yeah. Because he does seem lost. Yeah, like, he doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah. So, yeah, getting back to your point, he does set Seascaped on fire, and which leads mi- him out of the building, which then he is captured, captured and taken to hospital. This is this was an interesting part. So we do, in the crimes that shocked Australia doco, uh, we do meet the head surgeon who was at the hospital at the time while they were doing, like, surgeries on... The victims. The victims. Like, they didn't know if they were getting 10 people or hun- hundreds of people... It was interesting to see that they were moving patients that were already there into other wards so they could get their care while they focused on these, these victims. People, yeah. And he knew that he was getting Martin Cause in. Because th- they'd seen on the news about the fire and that he was captured. So they were yeah. like, oh, well, he, he's going to get brought here. And the interesting thing was he said to the nurses and doctors, he goes, if you do not want to help him, you have every right to say no. Yeah, which at the like when we're watching it, I was like, that is so cool and such a new thing that I've never heard of because I just assumed that anyone who is a medical professional, you have to help no matter what. So for a head surgeon to be like, if you don't want to help him, I get it. You can go and help other people, do whatever else you want. Like, yeah, but because of what he's done, if you do not want to yeah. like help save him, if he has got life-threatening injuries on him, then I'm totally fine. Yeah. I feel like because he's the head surgeon, he had to. Probably, yeah. But, yeah, to have that option, I thought, like... I thought Because there would have been cool. a lot of people that are like, this guy's just killed 30-odd people. I don't want to fucking touch him. Like, I don't want to help save this asshole. Yeah. Like, I would have been in that position. I would have been like, no way am I touching him. Like, fuck him. Yeah, but I mean, I feel like I've seen in so many like movies and I know movies aren't real life, but, and even Mm. like, you know, doctor medicine shows. Oh, like Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, that they're always like, oh, he's like a serial killer or like a pedophile or something. And then the doctors are like, oh, but I don't want to save his life. And then like the head person's like, oh, well, you have to, it's your job. Mm. You know, I just liked that they had that option. Yeah, no, it was, it was a. Again, I feel like it was a sensible option Yeah. to have. Because, as I said, there probably was a lot of people that were like, yeah, I don't really want to help him because he's just killed innocent people. Yeah. So. Back at Seascape. Yeah. They, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah they no. go in. Oh, yeah, and they find the, and they well, find they find the bodies of the two the two owners. And they the also, hostage yeah. that he stole from the petrol station. Yeah, which they believed he was dead before the fire started. Yeah, so they were like. We don't know if he was just pretending to have conversations with people while he was on the phone with police and negotiating or what was going on. Yeah. And what was weird with this case is that even though Martin did have all these like underlying mental issues, 
he was fit to stand trial and he kind of accepted everything that he was charged with. Yeah. Apparently, while he was awaiting trial, Bryant was examined by court-appointed psychiatrist Ian Sale. He stated that Brian could be regarded as having a mixture of, what I said, conduct disorder, attention deficit hyperactivity and Asperger's syndrome. Yeah. Paul Mullen, who was another psychiatrist, was hired at the request of Brian's legal team and he found that Brian was socially and intellectually, intellectually, uh, I can't fucking say the word, intellectually, there, there we, we go. go, impaired. Furthermore, finding that Brian did not display signs of schizophrenia or a mood disorder, concluding, though Mr. Bryant was a clearly distressed and disturbed young man, he was not mentally ill. Yeah. It's like, you you don't know. I mean, he's only probably met him once Well, there compared was, to his, like, doctor. Because mm, there was a forensic psychiatrist, Ian Joblin. He found Brian to be borderline mentally disabled because he had an IQ... Of 66, which is equivalent to an 11-year-old. But that doesn't mean that no. he's schizophrenic or whatever. Like, no. It's, it's just, just that he's got some... He's mentally disabled yeah. at, to some capacity. Yeah. Here is the interest. Well, obviously now there's a memorial there mm. for all the people that were killed in the massacre. And in the... um, What's the show called again? Crimes That Shook Australia. Mm. They have the Prime Minister at the time. John Howard in there, which he was Prime Minister 1996 to 2007. Because I remember this guy being Prime Minister when I was a kid. Yeah. And now and we've had he'd only been in office for what, a month before yeah, this happened? Yeah, just over a month before this happened. So he was sworn in on the 11th of March in 1996. And this, obviously, yeah, we've said the 28th of April this happened. Yeah. 29th of April was when Bryant was captured. Yeah. And yeah. John Howard just stepped up and went, that's it. No more guns. I'm bent. Because Brian got this gun. Uh, with, he bought a few. He fought, he found a classified ad. In the newspaper. In the newspaper. And he also bought a gun from a guy that lived a couple of blocks away from him. The thing was, he didn't have a gun license and they still gave him this gun. Yeah. Even like the place that was like a... Uh, like a proper... Uh, like, I was about to say the F word. <laughs> but like a properly like... A proper gun store. Yeah, which fucks me over. Like, I don't understand. And so, yeah, John Howard believed that gun laws weren't harsh enough and he banned semi-automatic guns. He banned, like, shotguns, like, anything Anything. that could fucking really hurt someone (laughs) basically was gone. He developed this buyback where the government bought back 750,000 guns from people. Yeah, so basically... It was like, hey, do you want to sell your gun to us? And we'll, like, we'll give you money. Like, we'll give you the, the amount of money that you gave to buy this gun. Yeah, just so that you don't have a gun anymore. And 750,000. Like, that's a lot of guns that well, could just be could roaming like, around. It could have been like, it's like, well, this guy, obviously, gun was in the wrong hands and he did this. Like, imagine if someone else did that. Yeah. So I'll just, but I mean, I'll give it back. Like, all of those people that did that, thank you. Mm. Because. Like, I know people nowadays, like, you get a gun license and they go hunting. Yeah, that's different, that's though. That's different. You're not 
killing people you're hunting and when you get your license and stuff i'm sure that the tests and there's so many regulations yeah here at least i don't know about overseas but here it would be so regulated Mm. purely because of this we kind of know what gun laws are like overseas. we don't because we don't live there and we're not getting into that i'm not making this a political thing because i i have my opinions but i'm not i'm not going to state them no, because we don't live there, so we don't know the full story. No, exactly. But, I mean, since these laws were changed, there hasn't been a massacre with guns. In Australia. In Australia, since. Yep. We've had other tragedies and other massacres. You know, there was a car a few years ago um, in Burke Street I here in Melbourne. I think I was at work when that happened. Yeah. I was in the city the next day and my mum was terrified and she was like, do not go anywhere. And I was There's like, some, I have to, mum. I'm really sorry. Like, the we even without guns, the world's not safe. Yeah. But I'm I'm saying with, without guns. It's a lot safer. It's like, lot I safer. can walk out of the house not being afraid to be shot. Yeah, exactly. And then, then, like, a few years ago, there was, like, a bomb in Sydney yeah. in a Lint cafe. Yeah. But no gun massacres no. since. And it's been almost, what, 40 years? 96. What? I can't math. No. If you If no one could tell, I'm bad at math. It's 20... 27? 27 years. Yeah, I said almost 30. I said, said 40, al- You said I? almost 40. Whoopsies. So, yeah, if you are interested, watch that Crimes That Shocked Australia. Like, me being, I'm not a true crime, like, fanatic, that was shocking to just sit there and watch it, getting frustrated and just, yeah, being angry at the world. Yeah. That something like this could happen. Uh, And also, do check out Nitram. I thought it was a pretty good movie. Yeah. It was was actually pretty good. So, it stars... Caleb Landry Jones, which you had a problem with because he's American playing an Aussie. And I was like, there is an abundance. But it was fun to learn that he got his Australian accent like down pat by watching reruns of Hey Hey It's Saturday from the 90s. Which, okay, he got extra points for that. It also stars Judy Davis, Anthony Landis, Phoebe Taylor and Essie Davis, who... We recently watched The Babadook for the first time. Oh, great movie. (laughs) That's a good movie. That dealt with grief and depression like I never thought any movie could. Oh, yeah. Other than Talk To Me, that did pretty well as well. A lot of depressing movies out there, isn't there? (laughs) Uh, It was directed by Justine Krulls. Justin. Justin. Jeez What did I say, Justine? Justine. Oh, fuck. (laughs) My bad. Justin. Justin Cruels, which I've probably butchered. I butchered the whole name. Fuck it. Jesus. Sorry. Justin Kurzel. I told you I butchered the whole. <laughs> I'm bad at math and you're bad at English. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I was no good at English. And I decided to start a podcast to go me. Doesn't have anything to do with that. Oh, well, no, I can't speak half the time. That's just because you're you, my love. You were going to be able to say dumb. <laughs> And then so, I thought that'd be nice. Yeah. Bryant's criminal sentence was 35 life sentences plus six, 1,652 days, so never to be released. Good. Uh, the facts that were true that were in the film, he did own an air rifle that he uses in the film. Apparently, when living with Helen, he would carry this air rifle and shoot it at tourists who were buying apples at a stall on the highway. 
He would also shoot it at dogs that barked at him. This was his way of trying to befriend people, but obviously that people avoided him because they don't want to be shot with an air rifle. Fair. And the inheritance that he got. So he got 250000 from his dad from this, his superannuation and then the estimated half a million from Helen when she passed away. Yeah. Oh, it never gets easier. No. Talking about this shit. Never, ever, ever. I mean, if you want to have a look at the positives at least – after this, mm. just the gun control. Yeah, and the balls that John Howard had only been in for a month and saying that's it, no more guns. Yeah, like it. Yeah. Uh, uh, all the bad does shit it, that comes out of this, uh, like you just got to look at the positives. Does it show us as a country to be like agreeable with it? Like the type of people we can be? Probably. Be like, okay, yep. We've seen this happen. That's it. Oh, like I'm happy to. I feel get like my money back as Australians. I feel like we're portrayed in the media and movies as just like these carefree people. Mm. So um, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, yeah. There is a lot of carefree people out there. <laughs> I'm not one of them. I wish I was. <laughs> I care too much. Anyway, that was the Port Arthur massacre. Of course, again, thank you to the. They Don't Stay Dead podcast for shouting us out. We really do appreciate it. And go check out And please, yes, go check out them. so good. Yeah, they are. Very, very funny. Yeah. And I will definitely be listening to more episodes on my (laughs) way to work. Yeah. But anyway, that is it from us. As always, you can follow us on Instagram at Better Watch Horror Pod. Uh, TikTok, BWH Pod, Twitter or X, whatever it's called now. I can't keep up. Official BWH pod. We're also on Patreon and YouTube at Better Watch Horror. And if you have any requests, reviews, or want to tell us how good or shit we are, our Gmail is betterwatchhorrorpod at gmail.com. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I keep forgetting that one. (laughs) What's going to happen the next time you see us? Uh, Oh. I don't know. Don't look at me like that. It's it's our biggest horror ranks to date, which has been a pain in the ass. Oh, yeah. Uh we didn't – well, it's obviously going to come out at the end of August and we know this is coming out at the end of Ozploitation October, but – August. August. <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs> the year's gone uh-huh. way too quick and I keep forgetting the fucking date. Uh, August, yeah. This The video is going to come out in September, whatever. We're, in, we're going into September and – yeah, we're going to rank every single Ozploitation movie we own. And have seen. And have seen. So far. So far. There will probably be a part two along the way somewhere, but this is just so far. This is just so far, plus a couple we found on streaming. That we had time to watch. That we had time to watch and obviously talk to me where we went and saw it in cinemas. Yeah, that's it. So can't wait to do that. There's a lot of movies. I miscalculated. I fucked up. (laughs) Oh, well. Anyway, see you next time. Bye.